0: This evening's uh, Dharma talk is titled. What's the title? Cultural Construction. Cultural Construction. Constructions, cultural. The structures that come to us down through history, through various kinds of cultural uh, situations that evolve in different ways to present us with, to to set us up with. guidelines for how we should be, what human beings are, what we're here to do, and so on and so forth, like you should go go to school, you need to get an education, you should, um, I mean, you you can elaborate on that on and on and on. I guess what I was trying to to say by uh, pointing out uh, and using that as a, a title for the talk is to say that there's so many structures that we just take for granted. We think, well, this is true. This is this is something we should do. We should get a job. We should uh, support our family. Not that we shouldn't, but it's just that we we have a cultural um, backup to that. Uh, the whole your family, your country, your city, your state, and everything, the people in your particular even social milieu are all supporting some kind of a a cultural situation where you're just taking for granted that this should be this way and this that should be. Uh, some kind of value for you should have value the whole idea of value is built on that situation and then we come along to uh, Something like uh, a religious practice Then that modifies that changes it a little bit uh, You might if it's a theistic approach and everything should be done for God uh, if it's not sometimes people are atheist go the other direction almost as religiously and merely bringing bringing this up because we, we we tend to be kind of go into those and be conditioned by those with uh, it's kind of like an, almost an invisible kind of conditioning that we allow ourselves to be there rather than uh, rather than stepping through the culture and see what is fundamentally the case what is fundamentally true this particular spiritual path is will help you to step through that those uh boundaries that are set up by culture if that's what you want to do if you're willing to do that and so just like uh we went over uh, to wmu and talked to the e- eval cafe was i think what they called it. it's the, uh, do you remember the technical name for the evaluation um dynamic that's going on there the people are getting their doctorates in evaluation evaluating anyone know about that so I can't, my memory is not uh, precise enough to be able to come up with that. Do you have that in So uh, that, that's what brought about this kind of uh, topic is I, I noticed here we're with all these people who, uh, and I doubt that they're watching us particularly, and I wouldn't mind if they were. But uh, we noticed that their particular dynamic is one of, there's this particular way that values work, there's a particular way that uh, evaluation takes place and and there's a particular way to break things down into its uh, components so that you can come to what some kind of conclusion evaluations are about conclusions you evaluate something so you can conclude something and if you listen to me talk very much you have heard me say probably more than once maybe 18 times include don't conclude Concluding is part of the samsaric world of uh, spiritual, scientific uh, material materialism. A kind of, well, let's lock it down and get, this is it, this is what we want, This is, that's what we don't want, this is what we want. So it's a way of finding what is true and right and we should be doing and what we should ignore or set aside or dismiss or lock up. As I'm sure you know, the extremes I'm talking about. We're so interested in getting control of everything that we have not, as a culture, with all of our fabrications, our creations and structures and beliefs and assumptions, we have not bothered to look deeply down into what any one given thing actually is. We know what things do. We can watch something well, that's a car, has wheels. It's a car. Well, wait a minute, no motor, it's a wagon. You know, we we go in and we can look at any one thing. Uh, it's getting more difficult for us to determine some things that we were that were strong cultural constructs. Sex is one of them. Just in the last, it's been going on for longer than I've been here, which is a long time. But people are are not taking that for granted anymore. They're not just saying they're born and they're if they have a feeling that they are maybe not a, they're born a male, but there's something about that they need to be. Uh, to really be who they are they need to be a female i'm just saying that as an example and that and that is has been a hard thing for a lot of people in the culture and still is for some people to to allow to be there even though it's, it's none of our business what someone wants to do with that it really is just like it's none of our business what someone's spiritual path is uh, even if two people are both Buddhist. it's not it's none of your business what that other buddhist how they're practicing buddhism Unless that person invites you in and say, well, this is what I'm doing. What do you think? Or somehow gives you permission to talk about that. So it seems to be necessary for for us or for anyone. But if we want to really see the truth about things is to go in and look at the lies. And when I say lies, I'm not talking, talking about deliberate deliberate deception, but just the cultural deception that comes through trying to protect certain things and support some things and not others. They have the whole idea of, which is a completely misunderstood word, conservative. It's just, we should all be very, very conservative about everything, Uh, especially the dirt, air, and so on. We should be conservative about that. So it's interesting how words get played in such a way that we, we, move back and forth and we we actually lose track of what the original meaning of any given word actually was. So the sitting practice of meditation, which is my probably my favorite topic, is a way, a spiritual path, uh, is a way of using or using the attention to watch the way this kind of obstruction or this kind of delusion or this kind of fabrication starts to arise, to catch it right when it starts to arise. If you catch it 10 minutes later, then the whole, I mean, it's like coming into a play, you know, uh, 20 minutes after it started, you have no idea why they're killing them or why they're upset with this. So you have no idea. So it seems to be necessary to come in very early. You could say before the stage was built, before the play was written, before anybody had a problem with anything. How about that? That's a rhetorical question. And I don't even know what the word rhetorical means. What if someone makes a fool of me? Oh, no. It'd be pretty hard to do that since the person who is talking is already a fool. So this doesn't mean that what I'm saying, going back to the idea of evaluation, which we discussed today at this uh, short little uh, presentation and had some discussion there. This isn't to say we, we shouldn't evaluate, we shouldn't weigh things, look at the contrast between this and that see that this works better in this situation than another thing, and do some kind of evaluation. But leading with the awareness, leading with just clarity, just reception, just including, concluding looks like this. I don't care how validated it is by logic. This is a conclusion. As soon as you conclude, all all reception, all awareness about what this is shuts down. (coughs) Or not. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it keeps going, but it looks like it's something is happening there that gets in the way of the clarity around the perception of what this is, and it gets tied up with what this and that. This is the basic misunderstanding about the nature of reality, not just according to this elderly person, but a, but according to a uh, tradition of Buddhism going back way, way, way back. The projection, the assumption. The conclusion that there's someone out there and there's someone here who sees someone out there is a misunderstanding and it's not a misunderstanding that uh, I can uh, logically uh, hammer you over the head with and get you to agree with me although there are there are um, people in Tibet who actually have set up situations where they do use this kind of logic about the nature of reality and I probably would lose So the idea here, coming back to what I said a moment ago, is to be able to train the mind, which I encourage to train the mind to see very clearly so that that seeing starts to to use a metaphor, starts to seep out in front of the thought process, which is totally based on hope and fear, love and hate, success and failure. What's the other one? Fun and boredom. Where is it? Pleasure and pain. Yeah, the two Ps. PP. Pleasure and pain. So, but if the awareness uh, starts to leak out, seep out, migrate out in front, just another uh, metaphor, in front so that you begin to lead with your awareness, then you don't know what you're seeing. You don't, you don't have necessarily have a name. And uh, to ego or self-centered mind or that part of the mind that thinks there is somebody that needs protecting or advancing, uh, they might that, that part of the consciousness might not be too happy with that, might be a little freaked out might be concerned that um, you, you'll lose control. If you, just, if you just have awareness, you have to have something out there, a thought or an idea or a presumption or a preconception about things. You have to know if this person is coming at you, are they, are they coming at you with a, what is that they're holding? Is it a club or is it a, wait a minute, it's a, what is that? That's a kielbasa. <laughs> <laughs> they're, and they're coming and they're saying, let's have lunch. You get the crackers but it's that kind of you know silly but it's it's that kind of a of a presumption that we project onto the world around us when and it happens it's so tragic sometimes that people are so intent upon ground it's it's an ego situation where they, people want to they want to grind their preconceptions right into you to the point that they'll even shoot you over it and you're if you want to use that word innocent of any anything at least in that particular moment and yet people are killed over that just happening, just recently in the news, and we don't we don't have any idea of what the labyrinth of thoughts, feelings, emotions, uh, causes and conditions that may arise for maybe running around in circles for years before that finally explodes in a particular direction is somebody needs to be punished for how I feel. I'll say that again. Somebody needs to be punished for how I feel. If you think about that literally, it's like, oh my, that's a. That's quite a big misunderstanding. Maybe, how would we go about educating people about that so that people would not do that? You might think that I'm about to say, everyone needs to meditate. Well, maybe not in that voice. Everyone needs to meditate. Be peaceful. Do you agree? Yes or no? Necessarily. She said, not necessarily, but she whispered it just in case I was going to scold her. So again, it's, uh, it's not a position. I don't really have like a position on everyone should, should meditate. I think everyone should be uh, who they are, should be genuine. But it's very difficult to be genuine if your consciousness is crowded and clouded over with fear about your life, about others, and some kind of a xenophobia about everything. And th- that leads to just terrible difficulty. And then when we have someone who is uh, really well-known, uh, just as crazy, And then that person seems to be validating everyone else. It's painful to see. What can we do about that? Train your mind. Start with number one, square one. Just train train this person so this person will not operate out of open fear, but will operate out of clarity and awareness, which eventually, if it's not enough, begins to show up as uh, 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 respect and caring or love and just consideration about, Others instead of seeing someone who's coming at us, even if they are carrying a club, instead of a kielbasa, even if they are carrying a club, instead of seeing that, we see how much suffering is going on there, rather than we see this is somebody I gotta take out. Difficult. It's very, it's especially difficult to do in our really close relationships where, where we're we're really 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 close to each other, and it's and you would think at that time it would be more, it would be easier to see, well they're acting that way. My, my mate, my wife, my husband, my girlfriend, boyfriend, they're acting that way because they're suffering. They're having difficulty. Instead, what we often do is, how dare you say that to me? How can you treat me that way? And, you know, we immediately make it into some kind of personal knot of approval, disapproval. So again, coming back. Yes?
1: How can we practice taking responsibility for our origins?
0: Uh Don't add to them. We have an emotion. Uh, uh, here's the emotion coming up. Here's the emotion going away. Here's the emotion coming up when you interfere with it. It's got you. And then you fixate on it. And then, because of the intensity of the feeling, you push on it. You try to think your way, way out of it. And so it takes a great deal of generosity and what I call uh, giving. Really, really giving. Give everything your attention. When the intense feeling, emotion, the distress comes up in your mind, give it your attention. Give it your attention. Be generous to your thought patterns. Allow them to be what they are so that you can see what they are and see that they're impermanent and they are unreal. And their fundamental nature is, uh, what did we talk about earlier? Buddha nature. Thoughts are not separate from anything from Buddha nature. Nothing's separate from anything else anywhere. But you could start with your own thought patterns. You have your own path to awakening right in your own uh, frontal lobe. Questions are good if you have them.
1: Earlier you used the analogy of walking into a play 20 minutes late. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to see before the stage was built. I think you said. It often seems like I'm, I I don't see what I'm doing or what's occurred until it's too late. And I've already caused a lot of harm. How, how can I see before the stage was built?
0: Just c- continue. Continue. You're, it's like how do I get up the mountain? You know, as I talk to you, you're a person who's halfway up the mountain, or a third of the way, or a tenth of the way, or 95% of the way. But you're on, you're on the path, you're on the mountain. And you're saying, how do I see what's on the other side of the mountain? How do I do that? So first you have to see the mountain. And even that, you have to see that maybe you're in a valley going in circles, and you have to see there's a mountain that needs to be climbed. You call it discipline. You could call a path of awareness, the path of meditation, the path of of beginning to understand what this fundamentally is in itself. And of course, you've heard me say many times and others say, what is it? It's not separate. It's also not uh, one thing. That's a misunderstanding. It's not one. Anytime you have one, you have something else. You can't count to one without something else. Of course, the zero would claim otherwise, but then it's a zero. So where does it get its credentials from? Just a big, round, empty thing. Right? 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 Thanks. So you're somewhere on this mountain and you're going up. And what you're saying, as functioning as your teacher, I'm just saying you're doing fine. Just keep going. And what you're, because you don't see what's happening, you're not really sure about it, might feel like you're going around the mountain. Or might feel like you're going down. Might feel like you're going sideways. Might feel like you're bumping into a tree. Boing, 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 boing. It's a tree. Go that way. (laughs) <laughs> you're not bumping into a tree. Right. The idea is just keep going. Even though there's the negativity, there's the difficult feelings, there's some kind of an internal dialogue going on or monologue that's saying, you're not getting anywhere. You may be doing this wrong. You, you, you know, this meditation can't be this. It can't feel like this. Yes, it can. But just keep going. Continue. You're, you're somewhere on that slope, and you're going up. More.
1: What does it look like to see before the stage was built?
0: Uh, that's actually to see there really, really, there really isn't even any mountain. Before anyone has a problem with anything, there's just this, and then we add on things. We add something happens. We add to it a, an idea, a comment, a criticism, an evaluation, like we were talking about today. Evaluation. The the people in the at the university are totally happy to be evaluating things and hand out degrees. I'm not saying it isn't hard. I probably would fail. Uh, they were all smarter than. Than I am, probably, yes. What are we
1: climbing if there is no mountain?
0: That's just it. It seems like a struggle, a climb, a path. It seems like a path, but at some point there is no path. I mean, there's a path, but there's no path. It's, again, not two. There's both a path and, and no path. This is how the teaching of emptiness begins to arise that way. The very thing we thought was solid begins to be empty of what we thought it was. And then the emptiness, even that uh, doesn't work because then that's... It's like it's too empty. Then it comes back. But first, we have to go into the emptiness before it can come back, and we can then we see that we're not separate from it.
1: Uh, in Sandokai, uh, I believe the line is uh, "Do not judge by any standards." Yes. Our standards value. Do, do things have value?
0: Yes, we set up we set up standards to protect our self centeredness. So we have well, at least we know that's what the standard is there. It's not that they don't have some use. It's good to have some standards, but the standards should breathe. If they're really going to serve us, then they should, they should have some kind of uh, flexible quality to them rather than just be made of solid, fixated concepts about right and wrong. Those just lead to warfare and to judgment and to extreme suffering for everyone, sometimes horrible suffering, because people get so into right and wrong and are operating out of hope and fear, that they begin to punish others for how they feel.
1: I'm just trying to imagine what it would look like if we had that kind of openness in this society.
0: How does it look in your mind?
1: Like there's no firm foundation.
0: Is nothing that make, nothing
1: to, to rest on. Does that make you nervous? Uh, yeah, it feels yeah. like floating in air.
0: Is that difficult?
1: Sometimes. It just seems like everything is fluctuating.
0: Yeah. That's that's the self the sense of me having problems with that. So it's just the floating is floating. There's no one floating. There's just floating. There's no one thinking. There's, there's, there's just thinking. There's no thinker, necessarily. There's just thoughts come and go, leaves fall, clouds float by, birds flap. How does the cultural construction of these forms help us? Give me an example of what one you're thinking of, particularly. Um, changing the sutras, bowing, prostrating... So, the the way we're these are coming to us from ancient Japan, and we're uh, observing them and following them and using a certain kind of form in order to work with our awareness. The idea is to uh, build because the mind is so uh, wild and crazy, it will go lots of different directions. So we need some kind of a structure or form that can contain that awareness, so that we can just a way of saying it, so that we can be more clear about what is actually happening with the awareness. This is why we do a lot of sitting meditation, sit down a hold still and watch the uh, jungle gym go on and just uh, on and on and on. This happens when you're doing sutras also. Notice how we're evaluating other people's way they sound or we're evaluating the way we sound or we're, our mind is going this way and that way In the in this particular container. We call a monastery, we call a zendo. Or what we call uh, chanting the sutras. So it's just a it's just a structure that we don't necessarily believe in, or disbelieve in, or don't deal too much with right and wrong. We don't deal too much with correct and incorrect. We do a little bit of that, but it's not like uh, it's not like a um, it's not harsh. More. Yes.
1: Uh, Daniel from Calm Zoo asks uh, if we've gotten away from our practice of sitting meditation. Is the best way to
0: get back into it, to just do it? Yeah. <laughs> just do it. And, you know, Daniel, you can just write it down on a card and say, I, as I've told people, probably hundreds of people, write down on a card, I meditate every day from 7 to 8 o'clock or whatever time you want to come up with. and Put it right in front of you. Put it where you're going to run into it. Make three or four of them. Put one uh, on the refrigerator. Put one on your nightstand but one on the mirror where you brush your teeth in the morning or in the evening so so that you're seeing it and then then you'll you'll at least notice that you're not doing that which is also awareness so it's not so much about accomplishing anything it's about awareness and then the self-centered mind and the mind uh, consciousness is, is just getting kind of worn out kind of tired of fighting and tired of being at war with ideas and opinions and and looking for solutions and so on eventually we, we just get tired of that and we kind of uh, give up you could say on a certain level and decide i'm just going to go sit on this or sit with this i'll just sit down with this and be with it and if you can do that and without adding anything extra like i'm going to meditate only if it makes me feel better but rather i'm going to meditate so i can better understand what my mind is who i am as my teacher choggyam trump rumpache once characterized that sitting meditation is uh, making friends with yourself and I mean actually sitting down and noticing your own crazy negativity and make friends with that rather than go to war with that and fight with it. Actually, if you can't make friends with your own negativity and stop fighting with yourself, you're going to have a great deal of difficulty working with other people who are dealing with their negativity and are more, even, maybe even more warlike than you are. It uh, seems to be necessary for each one of us rather than go out and take our negativity out into the world and make demands on some this crazy culture. To work with the culture the other way. Let's go down to the root of the situation. Each person, as uh, the poet Kabir said, and some of you have heard me say this before. If in in your heart you have a loaded gun, how can you have God? Very simple kind of image. If you're walking around with with unexamined aggression buried here, just waiting for something to trigger it, it needs to be examined. And the way to examine that, probably not the only way. There's probably some other way that I don't know about, but. Sit down, hold still, watch what moves, because what moves is the way in which we keep covering that up and covering that up and justifying it. it takes a while. David? How does uh, book study help us see uh, cultural constructions that we're moving? Uh, Book study uh, that we do about eight times a week uh, together as a, as a sangha, as a group, we get together and study uh, the uh, Buddhist Unconscious, Waldron's book... Uh, Today, I think we studied uh, uh, Shobo Genzo of Dogenzenji, we study Bhagavatar Sutra, 30 verses of Bandhu, uh, um, cutting through spiritual materialism and so on. When we come together as a community, as a group of people and study this material, it's both about helping each other understand the material and understand the concepts that are related to uh, the tradition of awareness practice, we, in our situation we call it Buddhism or studying the Buddha's Dharma or awakened truth. It's that, but it's also about the community. It's about coming together with other people who have their own life, their considerations, their hopes and fears, their issues, their problems, and rubbing elbows with those people around these concepts. It seems to be very, very important. And so the study part could be as much about Sangha, maybe more about Sangha than it is about the actual study. And if you notice, you can do the studying on your own. You can be, as they call in the tradition, a Buddha or a self-styled, me first Buddha. I'll attain enlightenment. Good luck to you guys. That kind of a thing. Buddha. The bodhisattva buddha, the bodhisattvayana is the one who has given up on their own enlightenment to save all beings. They don't care whether they get enlightened or not. They don't even know what that is. They just know they need to help others, serve others. It's a, a heroic path with no fanfare. Because if you're doing it, you're invisible. Okay. What does it mean to help people if there's uh, if there's what? If there's nowhere to get. Well the people you're helping think there is, and they're struggling and they don't know what to do and they're having their suffering. And their suffering might manifest to you as being upset with you about what you're not acting like they think you should. And so you meet them where they're at. You don't fight with them, you don't agree with them, you don't ignore them or look away. Just with them. And that also might mean just saying, sorry, you're having a rough time and walking away. I mean, it could be any number of things. More direct question. will get you further into this. How do I meet someone where they're at in that kind of a situation? Yeah, go on. How do you meet them in that situation? What else? Without going to war. Okay. So you have to see that you're going to war. You have to acknowledge the warlike stuff coming up. That's a good question. So you have to acknowledge that, but you don't lock and load. You don't hook up your vocal cords. You just feel the intensity. Take responsibility for your emotions. No one has poured a bucket full of emotions into you. They're your emotions. I mean, there isn't anyone, ultimately. But we haven't realized that yet. So until we realize that, we have to be responsible. We have to have the ability to respond to whatever emotions are rising up. That's us. That's ours, not theirs. They, I mean, they may have, uh, you could say, triggered something that we've been stuffing. But it's, so it's a matter of being aware of that. And sometimes that's difficult because we might feel really intense kind of difficulty or violence towards someone or irritation towards someone. If you can, button your lip. And if you can't, you might have to say, I don't like you <laughs> very much. You might have to have some version of that. Hopefully it's softer than that. And, and you can also, if it's something that's really difficult, you can turn and walk away. But do it politely. In our situation, in the monastery as a temple resident, you'd say, I have to go now. See you later. Don't be respectful to the person, but don't necessarily engage on some level of trying to figure something out or blaming. They're blaming you. You're blaming them. I just don't don't have those uh, mental or uh, sword fights. More. Can you elaborate on the invisibility of serving others? Again, please. Can you elaborate more on the invisibility of serving others? Yes, I can. Uh, it's invisible because there's no uh, the one who is functioning in that way is nobody. So therefore, there's no there's no attempt to sh- show up as uh, a helping person. Uh, other people might think that you're maybe helpful or not so helpful. They could think whatever they want, but your function is totally about about helping others, and that helping may show up as not meddling with them, pretty invisible. They're over there saying this. There might be even asking you, "Come on, I'm, I need your help on this." How many times i ask asked you and ask you, but you won't help me? Why do you help other? I've had actually somebody actually say to me. Why do you help all these people? You never help me. So it would show up something like that. In other words, not much. But it wouldn't be any. In order for that to show up, there's got to be some kind of a credential involved that show up shows up to others. Where look, look how oh, what a great Bodhisattva I am. Probably one of the greatest Bodhisattvas that's ever lived. People just would notice. I just totally sacrificed everything for everybody. How about some thanks? It's a pay, You know, the merchandising mentality that operates there is very sneaky because we'll notice that we'll give somebody something and then we'll wait to be thanked. In, uh, in the Buddhist tradition, although I don't exactly follow this, but in the Buddhist tradition, uh, if you give an offering to a Buddhist teacher, the teacher will not thank you because that's supposed to be an empty hole that you give to. It's, it's, not, it's not a transaction where they, you know, where you, do you follow me? Not that you wouldn't say thank you, but it's uh, anything I've ever given to any teacher. I've never gotten any thank you for it. But if I didn't thank people, uh, they wouldn't help me. (laughs) But I'm a Westerner. I'm not a Tibetan or Japanese dude. I'm just son of a couple of factory rats. Further question, yes?
1: Uh, Shane from California uh, says thanks for the Dharma.
0: You're welcome. Yes, David. What? When you talked about the uh, stuffing of emotions, what
1: uh, is the cultural construction
0: doing to facilitate? Oh my gosh, there could be so many things. I mean, just I mean, there's just so many. Your culture is is culture is about right and wrong. It's not about fundamentally helping people. Somebody, if a 14 year old goes into a store and and picks up a toy or some candy or puts it in their pocket they they could end up in the juvenile home especially if they do it more than once but instead of fundamentally helping the person they want to punish them lock them up threaten them with things and so if somebody gets older than that then it's even worse so the cultural thing of you shouldn't steal is is uh, punishable rather than you should understand what that is that you that 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 is a uh, that you could work with someone who's doing that in a way that, where they would have some kind of understanding of it. Or not. Maybe, maybe you wouldn't. they wouldn't have that. But we usually don't work to help people. We work to make them right or wrong. It's cultural. More? What unlocks that? What unlocks that stuff? Yeah. You're, you, you do it. Each person does it themselves with their own mind. Everyone has to do it. At them. It's not something you believe or disbelieve. It's not even something particularly that you understand intellectually or philosophically, uh, existentially, or all the other uh, variations on it. It's something you just understand because you've looked. You find out who this is. If you find out who this is, and I should say this, you find out who this is, then you don't have any warfare. Not only do not have any warfare with whoever this is, you have no warfare with anyone anywhere. And no matter what they're doing, even if they are coming at you with something A lot heavier than a kielbasa. I mean, even if they're coming to hurt you, I suppose you could probably hurt somebody with a kielbasa. (laughs) It was heavy enough, or frozen. (laughs) (laughs) So the idea is to actually, instead of immediately projecting on enemy, you know, uh, I realize it could be a little dangerous to live in that way, but we could start, we could start in a safe place like a zendo or like your meditation room or your bedroom where you sit down to meditate. Sit down, get to know yourself. Stop fighting with yourself. Stop correcting yourself. Stop accepting yourself. Passion aggression ignorance. don't do any of them. And if you do, then just watch the, the way you keep ignoring or watch the way you keep grasping at things and explaining things and justifying things or watch the way you keep fighting with things and want to get rid of things and want to end your life or end somebody else's life. They just want it to come to an end. You've had enough. No, you haven't. There's a saying in uh, in the Tibetan lineage that says uh, the the that is uh, characterizes the bodhisattva. Better for me to live, let me live. Better for me to die, let me die. Now, this doesn't this isn't some kind of nihilism. It's just uh, a way of relatively talking about uh, one's attitude towards one's life and towards the world that that you're, you 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 have a willingness that you're developing. You want to have a willingness to. Uh, be with all things you want to fu- function in the in the uh, in the strongest way possible as a sane uplifted uh, human being who is who is not separating themselves from anything or anybody by virtue of some kind of concept of good and bad or right and wrong not easy it's a crazy uh, world isn't it?
1: what happens to our conditioning when the self is seen through
0: so it could still function it could it probably won't be as you won't see it as much. Uh it may show up, it may go away, may come back. It's constantly changing. You no longer can find some kind of conditional self. You see the conditioning, but then you don't can't find anybody who's having it. Or else you'll find somebody, but they don't have any conditioning. So it's always uh, elusive from the point of view of trying to find a reference point. And then you could also say nothing happens. What do you think?
1: Terry from Hawaii asks, Terry,
0: way out in the middle of the ocean.
1: Can you talk more about the emotion of disappointment when one begins to see that there's nothing else but this?
0: Yes, I can. I'm saying just look at the disappointment. Don't explain it. Don't justify it. Don't condemn it. Do nothing with it. And just nothing lasts. So even the feeling of disappointment, if you don't fiddle with it, if you fiddle around with it and try to explain it or elaborate on it, then it kind of hangs around because it thinks it has some kind of stat, uh, status. But there is no status. Now, even the status of being a disappointed person uh, ha- will go. It will fall apart. Uh, the, to actually transcend this world is to have no status at all. And so disappointment is uh, some kind of, a, of an emotional reaction to not getting what you want not getting what you thought was supposed to happen. I thought enlightenment would be like this. I thought uh, awakening would have this kind of a quality or I would be really peaceful and happy all the time. Good luck.
1: Um, Brian David Arpey asks, what are the intense whole body vibrations sometimes felt during sitting meditation?
0: So some people have these in the the Hindu tradition. They're called, uh, um, I'm not going to get that Sanskrit word, I don't think. They're called, uh, darn it, David, I'm not going to remember that. But there's a name for, uh, uh, when one does uh, meditation practice over a period of time, some people, not everyone, things will start to come up and, 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 and shake the body or make it vibrate or make parts of your body move and change. Or uh, there's, there's a name for that in the camp. It's not coming to me. All I can think of is asanas, and that means posture. Um, kriyas. So uh, they're called Kriyas, and they're they're just spontaneous movements. It is speculated by some. Some people will just tell you what it is. And right? Anytime anybody says, well, this is what it is, probably not. Maybe it is for them. But it's more like we don't know exactly what that is. but it looks like perhaps it could be coming out of uh, distant uh, past uh, conditioning that is uh, being triggered by an intense awareness practice that, we used to be able to keep that down, so you couldn't you couldn't feel it. Now you're actually sitting in a very still position and just observing what moves and what's going to move. Well, the mind will move for a long time, and then the kriyas may start to erupt, or these mm-hmm. these uh, spontaneous movements could come out of nowhere. Not everyone's going to have them. There's no big credential to have them or not have them. Just like some people sit down and immediately disembody and they look and see themselves. It's not a credential. It's no doesn't mean that you're ahead of everybody else because you can disembody. Uh, so any any kind of thing could happen by way of a movement or visions could happen. Uh, you could fall asleep. Some people fall asleep constantly. Not incorrect, contrary to what some people may tell you. If you're sitting upright like this and you sit and you fall asleep, totally appropriate. Hopefully you will not hit your head mm-hmm. on the wall. That's Brian from White, White Plains. Brian from White Plains. Good luck, Brian. We're at the end of our evening. If there's a final question, I'd be happy to respond to it if I can. So, you have something that's been, just been burning to ask me? I have something I, I can ask you, and you don't even have to respond. I want you to think about it, though. What are you doing here? Look at your motivation for even coming to such a thing. I know you wanted to come to visit. <laughs> so, you get a pass. But I mean, you could say, "What, what, what is this about?" I mean, it, to, to go. This is a very good thing to ask, and, it, and it, if you go down into that, you'll see it's a very personal kind of um, longing for something, wanting to understand something more deeply, more clearly. That's that's how it shows up for me.
1: And once again, remind everybody about the all day. That's this Saturday. Please join us if you can. We do have the donation boxes in the hallway. We also accept your credit and debit cards using our square. You can see Junshu for that and also on PayPal. Thank you.
0: May the this penetrate into all Good. places Good. so that we and every sentient being together can